Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Hey, gang. The sponsor for today's episode of the Wingman Podcast is Sitka. And if you haven't, you know, if you haven't been over to sitkagear.com and checked out all the stuff that they've got on that website for waterfowl, man, uh, you need to. I am a firm believer that if if you are comfortable, you will be more effective in the field. You know, if if you're protected from the elements, if you're dry and you're not cold, you're not too hot, any of those things, you're going to be a more effective hunter. And Sitka has us covered in that regard, literally. You know, I am a huge fan of their Gradient series, their Hudson series. That Gradient hoodie, man, it seems like I never took that thing off last year. When we got snow, I just switched to wearing the white one. And it was just an integral piece of my kit all year long. You know, another piece that I just absolutely love is the Fahrenheit series, the Fahrenheit vest in particular. You throw on the Fahrenheit vest over a base layer, maybe underneath a gradient hoodie, and then throw a Hudson jacket over the top. Man, there's not much weather that you can't endure. And you're going to be more effective out there because you're comfortable. So thank you to Sitka for sponsoring this episode of the, of the Wingman Podcast. And if you haven't been over to sitkagear.com, Go check them out. Hey, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Wingmen Podcast. And my guest this afternoon um, really doesn't need any introduction. I could just say I've got KVD on, and most outdoorsmen are going to go, that's Kevin Van Dam. Why does he have a professional bass fisherman on the show? But you're way more than that, Kevin. And obviously, your bio reads is super impressive and you really don't need an introduction when it comes to the outdoor world, but through a mutual acquaintance, um, and podcast guest, I found out that you're a diehard duck hunter. <laughs> and I said, man, I got to have him on the podcast. And you, I called you up and you were like, get a hold of me after tournament season and let's talk. And here we are. Yep. No, I, um, <clears throat> I love it. I, I, I grew up in the outdoors. My only problem with duck hunting is that I live in Michigan, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's not bad. I actually did a little scouting yesterday. We've got a, I've got a lease real close to me. Um, it's a big farm and we've just been super dry. So I'm kind of concerned about water, but, um, some of the creeks and things like that are backed up. We've got some beavers, and there's a bunch of ducks in the woods. We've got a big – we kind of have our own little flooded timber situation going on right now, so we might be okay. Good. Good for you. Yeah, I know all about that. I, I grew up in the UP, so um, the whole the whole flooded timber, Michigan-style flooded timber, like a beaver pond is – man, you shoot a lot of ducks on those scenarios. But I hear you, though, when – it seemed like the goose hunting was always really, really good, but the ducks were really hit or miss growing up. Yeah, we're I'm on the west side of, of Michigan, southwest Michigan, Kalamazoo, and we're just not in in the flyway. You know, over by Lake St. Clair and Lake Erie, they it's pretty good. It's real good over there. And and then you know I've been fortunate to travel to a few places that are unbelievable. You know, and that that's what. Uh, what gives me the fever to try to make it better around here. So we do a lot with, with a lot of our stuff to try to improve the habitat for wildlife, period. And never ducks were really on my radar until oh, five or six years ago. We really, really got into it heavy. 
how that happened? How how did all how how did it, the the switch get flipped? Well, for me, um, I have a, a good friend of mine in Kansas, Southeast Kansas, is probably one of the best kept secrets in the duck hunting world down there in St. Paul. Um, Doug Henslick is his name, and um, he he has some property there. He's a he's a big bass fisherman. He's from Kansas City, and uh, we met through a mutual friend, and and he invited me down to his place there. And it is true flooded timber uh, hunting there. I mean, this place um, there. A guy named Roy Carter, which if you're in the duck hunting world, you know who Roy Carter and Carter's Big Island. So Roy's a great guy. So I hunted with Doug and Roy down there, um, and it was unbelievable for a Michigan duck hunter to go down there and shoot ducks in the timber where you're basically, you know, picking your shots, shooting only green heads off your gun barrel, really tight in the timber. It, it was just world class, and uh, so I went the first time, got spoiled. Um, and then went on to my Kansas deer lease and shoot the duck hunting was so good. That's all I could think about. So we deer hunted a couple of days and we, and, and we came back. And uh, so I've made quite a few trips down there to Huckleberry farms there to, to Doug's place. He's filmed a lot of shows there with ducks unlimited and things like that at there too. So he's just, uh, for a guy that is really passionate about the outdoors, loves to bass fish, loves to deer hunt, loves turkey hunt and all that. But those greenheads just, make him uh, go banana i mean he just just and that's what i've learned is when you're around certain people that just ducks are their thing um there's just nothing else like it and when you go to a, a really good place like that uh that's what it's like and I, you know i've been to stuttgart uh you know I, i've done a lot of fishing down there and i've seen a lot of the place you know a lot of those really good duck places down there and um of course i've been out with jake latundras uh out there on the North Platte River, uh, I mule deer hunted with him, and I didn't really realize what they had there. And he showed me that stretch that they have there with Prairie Rock Outfitters. And uh, I didn't duck hunt, you know, I went mule deer hunting, but it was right before the season. They'd get been getting a lot of prep done, put some new blinds in, and we looked at a lot of the different holes. And that's a really special deal there, too, just because all those little warm water sloughs that never freeze up, uh, it. <clears throat> It's un it's unbelievable. Of course, I've you know he's a great photographer, videographer. I've seen a lot of videos and stuff, but uh, that's a bucket list kind of hunt too. So those are the things that got me into it. And um, you know, I we got an opportunity for this place up here where I live, and man, the first year was just epic deal. You know, when when you have three to five thousand mallards in the air in Michigan, that is it's really dang uh, something. And when we when we saw that, we were like, yeah, we we've got to try to to get this. So myself, my brother-in-law, and another really good friend, we we kind of uh, sewed up this this farm to that's really not nobody ever thought about it for duck hunting, but it's got a lot of ditches and water going through it, and uh, you know it's all ag uh, ag fields, so it's kind of you're hunting ditches and and that, and then now we've got this little woods flooded thing going on there so as dry as it is we're probably going to be there but once they pick the corn uh we've got a plan now to actually flood some of the potholes in the fields we got nice. permission to do that and and so we've been kind of preparing to, to get all that ready so yeah our season opens in early october and you know we, we have a lot of wood ducks um a good many mallards and right now there's a bunch of black ducks there which are oh. you know it's it's pretty cool for a lot of people 
it's really common for us. It's like people talk about other you know, species that they like, I really want to shoot redheads. And uh, Fred Zink has, has become a good friend of mine with, you know, Avion X and, and Zink game calls. You know, everybody, if you're in the waterfowl world, you definitely know who Fred is. So I'm going to go hunt with, with him and Chris Paradise, which Chris is the COO of Mossy Oak. Mossy Oak's a great uh, partner of mine. I, they're just, that whole family is, you know, they're all about the outdoors. They're all about conservation. They're all about, uh, you know, gamekeeper, being a gamekeeper. And uh, so I get to go and I'm going to go and hunt with those guys in Ohio this year. They come and turkey hunt with me every year. And uh, so we kind of, kind of, I, I like to see how other people set their place up, you know, and, and uh, how you not just set your, your land up, but how you set the decoys up, how you call to them to, to watch somebody that's an expert like that is pretty dang special. You know, I'm, I'm not a good, I'm not a good caller and I'm not a, you know, I don't know it all, but I do know that, you know, you, if you've got good concealment and you're in the right spot where the ducks want to be, it makes it pretty easy. And that, that's the most important thing. Oh, you couldn't be, you couldn't be more correct there. I, I know guys that can't call, don't, have great tactics, but they've got good spots and they've got good hides and they consistently kill birds, you know, whether it's ducks or geese or what, it doesn't matter, but man, black ducks. I have not even seen a black duck since I moved to Wyoming like 15 years ago. <laughs> and we just don't, we don't have them. We still see, I still see some woodies, but I miss those black ducks. I remember you were talking about over on the, the Southeast side of the state. I went over one time and did a draw hunt. Well, a couple times, but did a draw hunt over at St. Charles at Shiawassee. And that is quite the experience. That is an interesting, yeah. <laughs> interesting experience to say the least. But that was the last black duck I killed. I killed a big Drake black duck there one morning. And it was like shortly after that, I moved out here and said goodbye to, to all that stuff. But man, that sounds like you really got your lease dialed in. And, and you're, I mean, if you've got water, if you've got the habitat, you're going to have it nailed. Yeah. Our biggest um, thing is we're kind of at the mercy of the farmer to pick it. Once, once that corn comes off there, then, you know, we can take our side by side back there. Um, we can take a skid steer back there. We can, you know, we can dig some pit, block, you know, we can, we can do some things. We kind of have to uh, have it right back to the way that it was at the end of the season. Uh, but at least we, you know, are able to be able to, doctor some things up and this year like i said we're gonna we're gonna pump some water into some of the potholes in the fields that hold it anyways and that'll be that'll be just like a magnet because it's it's such a huge area um they just never land in the same place twice you know sure, sure. and so when you have a drawing card two years ago we had a really wet early fall and it flooded a lot of the standing corn uh and they were just piling in there and it was uh we had an epic you know, beginning of the sea, really the whole season, it was just un unreal. And we have such a mixed bag, like you say, it, uh, early it's, it's a lot of wood ducks, a lot of black ducks and, and mallards. And then later on we'll get, you know, we get some widgeon and, and stuff like that too, but we get black ducks pretty, pretty regular. And, uh, people, you know, uh, to me, that's like, I, I really would like to shoot a canvas back and, and a redhead and I just never had the opportunity just never even, never even seen one any place I've ever hunted. So I'm looking forward to maybe having a chance to do that later this fall in Ohio. There you go. Ohio, go up North, go to St. Ignace and 
and hunt there. Yeah. St. Ignace, Mackinac City. That's, I used to live just north of that. And, uh, we hunted those bays quite a bit growing up in that St. Mary's river system. And you just yeah. never knew what was going to come flying into the decoys when you were set up on that river system. My, my son is actually there right now for their, um, their, they have their bass, their, uh, the tournament series around here. Their uh-huh. classic is up there. And so they actually fished there a year ago too. It's a, it's a really neat area up there. And yeah, there's a lot of ducks right there right now. Oh man. So. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. That the fishing there was, is interesting too. You know, that you had, we had so many species growing up right there in the St. Mary's river system and down into the straits and things like that, that it was, it was, uh, yeah, you just never knew what kind of duck you're going to shoot and what kind of fish was going to be on the end of your line when you got a bite, you know, it was kind of yeah. crazy. Uh, that's one of the things I love about Michigan is we do have, uh, a, a ton of opportunities for, uh, you know, fishing and hunting both, you know, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty diverse and that spreads the pressure out too. You know, I mean, with all the salmon, trout, walleye, pike, muskie, bass, smallmouth, uh, you know, fishing wise, you know, and so many lakes and rivers and then surrounded by the great lakes on three sides. And then same thing when it comes to hunting season, you know, I mean, up North, it's great woodcock and grouse hunting. Um, we don't really have much pheasant or anything anymore, but we, we, you know, we found our duck hunting down here. Uh, obviously I've, uh, love to deer hunt too, and I've got a lot of turkeys. So, uh, that's, that's a focus this time of year. And it's a challenge, you know, I come, come the weekend is like, ah, should we go duck hunting this morning or should we go deer hunting or what? So it's, we really focus on the weather and, and try to deer hunt, you know, on the days that the duck hunting isn't good. Any day that the duck hunting is good is we don't, um, the way our farm is set up, we don't have a big resting area or anything like that, that we can do. So we just, you know, our rule is we just hunt once a week, you know, and that, that yeah, keeps no, it. I think, I think that's smart. I have the same, kind of have the same rule on the leases that we have out here. Uh, you just have to do that because otherwise you end up just blowing out everything and there's, it's, yeah. your hunting's well, terrible. Well, when, when we, we have a, a big group of birds that are working the whole area. And if you, you know, if, man, if you're lucky enough to call in a group of 30 and, and be able to, to get them, there's a 500 flying around that you're spooking too, you know? And so, by only going once a week, it just, it, it makes it to where every weekend it's like opening day again, you know, right. I mean, it's pretty, a right. couple of years ago, man, we, we limit, we'd have five, I have my two boys out there and us out there. And I mean, we limited out every single time, but once all season long. And that's just unheard of for, for this kind of hunting. Uh, last year was not the case for us. We had, we had tough hunting last year, just tough conditions and uh, that so it was back to you know back to a little bit of a dose of reality and we learned that we got to step up our game and calling and really focus on our setups and and that so it was a good learning you know good wake-up call good learning year for sure so that's why I love uh, getting with these guys that are really good at it and that that do it a lot because there's there's so many little things um, that make a guy like a Roy Carter or a Fred Zink or a Doug Henslick, really excellent duck hunters because they know, I mean, you don't even have to tell, it's kind of like me and fishing. You don't have to tell me, you know, when I see a certain scenario, I know immediately what bait to pick up and what color and presentation based on the conditions. And 
these guys are exactly the same. I mean, I'm sitting there get thinking and guessing, well, it could, should I, should I, you know, set my spread up like this and, and, you know, how many decoys should I put out and, you know, where, what's, uh, section of the farm should we set up on based on the wind direction and sun and all that and, and they just immediately know already and it's it's fun to hunt with people like that oh there's no doubt you're 100 percent correct i have a handful of friends out here and and growing up over the years it's the same deal they are they have the, the program dialed and you go hunt with them or you go fish with them or whatever it might be and it's like okay that's that's that makes sense, you know, and if you're paying attention and you're, you can learn, you know, it's when you let your, when you let your ego get in the way that it's like, did you learn anything from this experience? Because you should have, cause you just got taken to school, you know, yeah. but so efficiencies and pretty much squared away for you now. Yeah. I'm uh, you know, our, our uh, major league fishing bass pro tour season is over. Um, I have a cup event uh, the third week of October, okay, which, which is right there in the middle of the heart of everything good happening up here, um, and I still have a lot of promotional stuff. You know, I was up, I was up north, northern Michigan, filming yesterday, so I, I do a lot of that in the off season. You know, n now especially after COVID, you know, the world has changed. Um, uh, you know, marketing is has changed a lot, and a, a big thing, a big part of my job is. Definitely social media, a lot of you, I do a lot of, you know, filming for shows and YouTube videos and, and things like that. Content creation, um, not just for me, but for my, you know, for my sponsors and stuff too. Right. So it's, it, it keeps me busy, but I, it's what I love to do. I mean, the beauty of uh, my job is that I get to go and fish uh, some of the greatest places and really some of the worst too. <laughs> you know, they're not all great, but um, I would never get to go and see a lot of these places and meet uh, so many interesting people and get the contacts. And I do get uh, a ton of invites to go and hunt a lot. A lot of people, you know, know, oh, you really like to hunt? Well, come down to Louisiana and deer hunt with us or come down here and duck hunt. And I, man, I've just, I get the opportunity to go to a lot of them, but I just, I really try to focus um, on my stuff here and, and hunting with my boys too. I've got twin boys that, uh, man, they love it. Is they probably love hunting, it, it you know more than they like fishing. I, you know, or they they <laughs> like them both a lot. But um, you know, we're 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 an outdoors family. My brother has uh, my older brother has a big sporting goods store called DNR Sports Center here in Kalamazoo, and it's I know exactly where it is. Yeah, I've been there a bunch. Yeah, they they just did a huge remodel job on the on the store oh, cool. and uh, added a whole new gun department. And oh, uh, cool! It's it's really. Um, uh, it's I actually was there earlier today. I mean, you you go in there and you can't help yourself but find something. You, you know, it cost me two hundred dollars every time I walk in the door. You know, it's like going to Bass Pro Shop same way. I, uh, I've got to go uh, uh, later today and pick up my side by side. I had some extra lights and work lights and things like that added to it. Um, I never had a side by side until I got one last year for the first time. And man, what a unbelievable tool it is. It, and a big reason is, is because of our duck lease. I have, I have lugged giant bags of decoys for the last time. <laughs> <laughs> I you know? hear you. If, if I can get a four wheeler or a side by side into a place, 
that's yeah. what I'm doing. You know, and it doesn't always work out that way. It, yeah, we, we're like the same way. Going. It can get pretty muddy here at times where you just yeah. can't. You definitely can't drive a truck though, and with that, so we've been pretty ingenious. We we built a, a couple of small uh, lightweight trailers for hauling our gear and a-frame blinds. So I I got a couple of those Avionics a-frame blinds. That's a game changer. Gosh, those things those things are slick. They are so mobile. It's so yes. quick to set up in that. Um, and I'm not trying to blow too much smoke up up Freddy's, you know. But they, right. they they're sharp. I mean, they it's amazing to me. I mean, I'm in the I live in the fishing world and tackle, and I do a lot of work with companies to design, you know, baits and reels and sure. boats and in uh, those products that make everybody's experience or or the ideas that you know have a better day and catch more fish. Well, it's the same thing, and so it's it's a lot of that is really new to me. Um, you know, layout blinds, the same, same thing, you know, I'm, you learn, you know, when to use an A-frame blind and, or a layout blind based on the conditions or just tuck into a ditch, you know, if you can get away with it or, you know, my favorite, no doubt, my favorite by far is hunting in the woods. There's just, mm-hmm. there's nothing like that. Uh, my first ultimate experience was with Doug down there in, in Southeast Kansas hunting that flooded timber and, God, there, there's just nothing better than that for sure. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more with you. And, and the, the Avian X blind that you were talking about, we had, we, they shipped us one of those oh, a couple of years ago and I did it. We've used it a lot and, and did a review on it. And I remember doing the review. I just got it and it came in just at the end of goose season. And I hollered at a couple buddies. I was like, Hey, you got birds on your place. You got, Okay. I need to come out and do this thing and let's, let's hunt anyway. And we filmed this review and I could not believe how easy it was to set up and how hidden we were. This is like the last couple days of goose season and we have highly pressured birds and we shot birds right in the decoys with that thing. Yeah. They geese, especially, um, really don't, it's like they don't even, I mean, and honestly, what, and Fred told me this, and I, I wasn't sure either because we used them last year in our late season uh, up here in that in the fields. It you know one is good, two's better, and three is even better. You know the the more yeah. of them that you have out there, it's like the less they are care about them. And you know for ducks, it's it's pretty much the same too. I think you know we try we probably work a little too hard to over conceal around them you know but we'll put them in a cornfield and put we'll cut a bunch of corn stalks for them and and then um just you know uh you know add it add it to it just to try to to help but man they uh it's just i like that so i hunted in layout blinds too and that's cool but it isn't near as comfortable man you know i, I just get a get a yeti bucket or you know and with a cushion or a you know, a stool and they're sitting in there and it's, it's nice, especially if you got a couple of them set up, you're hanging out with your buddies. That's what I love about duck hunting. And that's what my boys love about it too. So we, I, I started them really deer hunting. And the first time that I took them duck hunting, they just, they fell in love with it just because it's so much more social. You can bring a friend along, you know, deer hunting. You're always worried if, if you bring a friend out, was well, he going to shoot your big buck or is he going to spook the deer or whatever? When you're duck hunting, it's not, it's not about that at all. You know, you, you bring a thermos of coffee and you bring some snacks and you, 
you can, uh, you know, chat it up and tell stories and hang out. And, and then when the action's good, man, it's just, you share it, you know, and that's what's, yeah. that's what I love about it. And there's, I don't know, man, it's, there's just something about when you've got them completely full. And I, it's, and I get it that duck hunting for every species is cool, but those mallards, man, they just, they're, I see why they're everybody's favorite. You know, that's the largemouth bass of waterfowl for sure. It's like you know, I've never heard it put that way, but I completely agree with you. That is a great way of putting it. Out here, they'd probably be the brown trout of waterfowl yeah. in the West. You know, but yeah, you're absolutely right. And there's something special about greenheads. Yeah, and I, I've shot them. A, I don't know how many different ways. A lot. And I keep coming back to shooting them in a cut cornfield or a barley stubble field on dry land with spinners. Holy smokes. There's yeah. something. The way they do it in the on dry land and the decoys is just special, and it is a sight to behold. Yeah. Yeah, if, no, you, can get them to, if you can get them to fully commit, I mean, that's the, you know, that's that's the ultimate. You know, when you, when you get them, when they're landing right in your, in your spread, you, you've got it going on. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it's funny you're talking about the deer hunting and stuff. And I remember back there, it got to the point where call, and we have a little family farm north of you, um, up by up in a little town called Stanton. Uh, yeah. Yep. Anyway, um, yeah, and it got to the point where we we called it. My brother and I called it deer fighting season because you yeah. know everybody's worried about. I was going to shoot like you just said. Is going to shoot that big buck that I've been watching and got on trail camera and all this that and the other thing and that didn't exist with with waterfowl you know yeah. it wasn't it was like just go out and have fun you know yeah we uh we took the i i myself and i'm to blame you know early on I, I i took the fun out of deer hunting for myself you know with it, you know trying to overmanage and you know like oh you shouldn't you can't shoot any any small ones or anything like that so now we, I still do a lot of it. I like to take people for the first time. Um, I've taken a ton, a ton of people on my property to shoot their first deer. Take them, you know, we've got a pretty good setup now with the state for doe permits. And, you know, this year we're unlimited even, which is oh, wow. exactly right. I mean, once you've hunted a place that's managed really well, our state was so out of whack before. Yeah. But it's pretty special to take somebody for their for their first time and, and it's the same thing with duck hunting. You know, if you take somebody that's never really duck hunted or don't doesn't know anything about it, and you go out and show them how it's done, and you know, putting out the decoys and and getting everything set up and watching the sun rise, and then having the birds work in and and have them come in, and and they're not easy. You know, for for people that have never shot a shotgun before, beginners, and uh, it's it's fun to watch them. You know, they're going to do a lot of missing. <laughs> but uh, that's how you learn, you know, so it's, it, and it makes an impression that they don't forget, you know, you make lifelong right. hunters out of people that way. And whether it's, you know, it, it's any of it and it's all a great experience. Uh, there's no, you know, to me, it, I, I don't like deer hunting better than duck hunting or, or squirrel hunting or anything. I, I, I love it all. I like to coyote hunt. I like, you know, I like to, we like to kind of do it all, but yeah. during duck season, you know, when you have that window and, and you start getting getting some of these uh, new birds showing up in that, that's that's the time to really look forward to here. I just I wish our season I think our our season is really off uh, 
we need when it gets really good the season's closed you know i mean it opens too early and doesn't stay open late enough really but because uh, when we're goose hunting there is a whole lot of birds coming then yeah it's the same exact thing out here in wyoming um what we run into and they actually ran are running us longer this year we're running into i think the 25th of january which is as late as i've seen out here and it's because we everybody was like man take some of those days off the beginning of that season in the first split and give us longer to hunt because same thing we're hunting honkers late in here and we got we're covered up in ducks finally and they hadn't been here until like the end of january first part of february so yeah i know what you mean it's it's definitely nice to be able to have a little bit later season but we we're we struggle with the same we we really do you know and i, I think uh, talking to guys from all over the country everybody's got a gripe about something with their state right with yeah. their state it's hilarious i talk to the guys down south and it's oh you know the weather patterns have changed and migrations changed and we don't get the birds we used to and you guys are killing all our ducks up north and i had a comment from somebody in canada the other day that was all oh, you guys just reap the rewards of all of us raising all your birds and then they fly down there and you shoot them all and it's it's just yeah. funny it's like we're all in the same boat here for the you know no pun yep. intended and yeah the the bird we we need the we need the to raise those birds up north in canada but they need to winter down here in the lower 48 too and it goes it's hand in glove well the thing that's really changed though is the management philosophies for sure and and a lot of these a lot of these people like myself or a lot of these people that have have land or property they're they're doing a much better job of creating great habitat for the ducks and they don't want you know all up and down from st louis to to memphis it's unbelievable what people have done there in the last 15 years and that's why those you know why isn't there all those birds down there anymore you know far south because they don't have to leave. They've created such a, uh, you know, great habitat for them and food. And as long as it, and it's not about freezing weather, it's it's just about having water and food, you know, for those ducks. And when they have that, they don't. There's no reason to move. The only thing that's going to get them to move far is if we get a big ice storm or something like that. That really, you know, a super cold polar vortex or something like that. That that's really going to do it. So, you know, Louisiana's not going to see the ducks that they did 20 years ago because the the whole everything's changed yeah yeah it's interesting i had dale bordelon on and i don't know if you're familiar with him but he is an interesting interesting dude that makes all his own decoys he is a bayou southern louisiana i mean i could he's great great storyteller and he's got connections all the way back to the market hunting days where he's got stories that go back there that he's held on to. And he talks about some of the, some of the things that he has seen. And then I talked to Ramsey Russell and it's the same thing. He's talking about whistling ducks, you know, and rosy billed poachers that they don't, that's a deep, that's a way South bird. And all of a sudden they're showing up in Missouri and guys are shooting them. And it's like, what's up with that when did that happen but yeah it's if there's one constant in all this is that it's change i mean stuff's constantly changing but i would agree um we don't see it a ton out here 
but back where you guys are, I know even when even before I moved, there were guys that it was like they're managing property specifically for waterfowl and yep. trying to create the best habitat that they could possibly get. You know, and it was of course it holds birds. We had a spot um over in that Stanton area that was a slough that didn't freeze. It was open all winter long, spring fed creek. And we took care of that like it was made out of gold because it held so many birds, you know, where we you, we would get that late. I don't know if you guys still do it, but the, for a while there, yeah. Michigan had a late duck, yep. like three days. Two days. Yep. Two days. Yep. And we would just, oh, my gosh. That slough was loaded. Thousands of birds in there. And we'd go in, get set. We'd let them fly out and do their thing, and we'd sneak back in there in the daylight when they were all out in a field someplace. And it was, it was unreal. It was yeah. unreal. That was the kind of shooting that, that would spoil a guy real fast. Yeah. We, uh, I've got a similar setup on, on my deer hunting property that I've got a spring fed natural pond there that it don't freeze if it's 20 below. Right. And on the, if we get real cold weather for that late season, it's, it's pretty dang special. There'll be, I don't have thousands of birds in there, but there'll be a couple hundred and, and that That's... makes for you know when they when a couple hundred birds come back and they're coming back in in groups of 10 to 30 it makes for a you know a really good you get one awesome day for sure you know yeah yeah and that was i looked forward to that when they did that i at least looked my buddies and i looked forward to that more than like just about anything else because christmas we knew <laughs> oh yeah you know we knew it was going to be epic and we were yeah. just going to have the best hunt of the year on on greenheads and yeah it was so cool but no, and I, I so I have a little I have a story to tell that I I've, I've debated on debated on whether or not I'd even bring it up, but I am. You and I have met once briefly before, and I was about twelve, ten, twelve. I'm ten years younger than you are, and I was I was about in that ballpark, and I was fishing off of my grandmother's dock. And I am almost positive you came by and you were flipping pitching docks or throwing a buzz bait or something in an evening. And you came by and big, beautiful boat. And I was a fan. I knew who you were. And, and you said, hey, how's it going tonight? And just kind of we chatted briefly as you fished on by. And I, I went back. I, right, I think I dropped the rod, turned, ran up the house. I was like, you're never going to believe who I just saw. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was you. <laughs> a good chance <laughs> and it was just one of those little local michigan lakes you know and, and and just kind of funny how that works but yeah it was uh that's my other than this that's my kvd story so <laughs> anyway so are you gonna get a chance to go and uh out and hunt with jake out uh and- i don't have anything scheduled this year for sure and it's i've got uh i got a mule deer hunt scheduled for the day after Halloween in Colorado, um, and then Bass Pro Shops has, they've got a big amateur tournament they started this year called the U.S. Open, and okay. they've got their million-dollar championship. You know, there's An amateur is going to win a million dollars in a bass tournament in November down wow. at uh, uh, Table Rock Lake. Um, yeah, I, I need to. The, the challenge for me is when duck season's really getting ramped up, 
it, like in January, that's when we're kind of re-energizing the fishing, you know, sports shows and right. uh, getting prepared to kick off our, tur- you know, tournament season. But yeah, I'd love to. It's a bucket list thing for me. Jake is, uh, uh, you know, both him and Ryan, incredible guys for sure. They have a really special operation out there at Prairie Rock. I'm, you're, you're close, you know. I mean, for me, yeah, it's, I'm only six hours, I think, from him. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a 15, 16 hour drive, right. and it's a, and flying there's not easy for me either because flying from where I'm at is not easy. But so it's, it's a, not an easy place. Uh, it's not like you, you can go and just say, hey, I'm going to go for a day or two. You, you want to. You want to make a, a trip of it, so that's what I'd like to maybe do is do a late season combo hunt. You know, uh, there I'd like to experience both of it. You know, the goose hunting's pretty dang good, and duck hunting's unbelievable. You could do both in the same day there. So um, I actually have a couple friends that that went last year, and they're like, "Man, it's you know, it's just like any place. You know, if you if you get the right weather." Um, and the later you go, the better that seems to get, you know, uh, if you get the right weather, it can be epic. So, so yeah, I don't, uh, I don't have a trip scheduled to the North Platte river. I don't have a trip scheduled to Kansas, to Southeast Kansas yet, or anything like that. Um, I've got another deer hunt in Texas. I've got a friend of mine that has a place down there that, um, it's, it, I just can't, can't pass that up either. No. And with your, you know, my boys are right at that age. Uh, my one son just moved to Nashville and um, he's working down there and he wants to be a chef and he's working as a sous chef in, a, in a, st- a steakhouse down there. And, you know, just like I said, I get all these opportunities to, to go a lot of places and, and some of the best places you could possibly go. You know, Prairie Rock Outfitters out there in the North Platte River, that's a bucket list trip, you know, to, to go to... Yeah to hunt with Doug and Roy down there at Carter's Island and, and down there in Southeast Kansas at St. Paul. It, it, it's the greatest kept secret in duck hunting. I, you know, to a lot of people, I mean, sure, I know, sure. I know all the, you know, like Justin Martin, he's a friend of mine. He's like, man, that down there is, that's the place, you know, and I, I got an open invite to go and it's, but it's just getting the time, uh, around the other things that we, you know, do family wise and that to, to go. So, and then, you know, we have, you have, you put all this time and effort in your own stuff and you, so you gotta, you, you know, you gotta spend time hunting here at home too. You know, there's nothing better than reaping the rewards of the work, you know, the, that you do yourself. You know, I mean, I may not kill the biggest deer here, but I love, doing everything that it takes, you know, the rest of the year. That's my favorite part of deer hunting is not the actual hunting. It's doing the food plots and it's managing the timber and, you know, cleaning trails and putting trail cameras out and, um, and, you know, watching the fawns through, you know, through the summer and just, you know, that whole process. And it's kind of the same thing in duck hunting, you know, when you, um, you know, work, do a project, a water project, um, we've done a couple of them trying to, you know, change, uh, you know, the way the water moves through some of these creeks and ditches to expand it or you plant, some, you know, plant a food plot for ducks and then flood it, you know, plant some millet or milo or something like that and see the benefit that it does. And not just, you know, yeah, you're you're doing it because you're hoping to have a good hunting season, but you're benefiting 
all this other wildlife too yeah. um, at the yep. same time you know it's that's that's what i love about it so it's great to go and hunt you know some of the cool places where other people have gotten to do the work but i i like i still like doing the work myself too yeah now i hear you i hear you well, i don't have the opportunity to do much of that here um we've got some leases like i said that we get to take care of and work on but uh, you sound like my brother my brother i moved to wyoming and he moved to iowa we and we fled michigan like i think a lot of people did in about that time period and um but he's the same way if you ask him what his favorite part of deer hunting is he goes it's all the it's all the prep work it's the food plots and it's the timber management and it's the running trail cameras and he likes that way more than than the actual hunting i mean and like you said he still likes to hunt but there's something to be said for when you're getting your hands dirty and making it happen to like you said to stay there and reap those rewards that's that's cool yeah my one of my favorite christmas presents that i look forward to every year is toxy hayes from osseo uh, when i first signed up with him um, he sent me a handwritten letter and a dozen of their mossy oak, uh, their, those super fast growing white oaks from their nursery oh, yeah. Yeah. At, at Christmas. And he said, man, I'm just so appreciative to, you know, uh, it's great to get to know you and so appreciative that you're, that you're part of our family. And he sent me those trees and I, I didn't, I didn't think that much of it, but when I put it, when I planted each one of them with my boys on our property, um, I, you know, it just, it, it meant something at the time. And every year he does this, he does the same thing. And, and I, you know, I've gotten a lot more. That is cool. so, so you want, you know, it's just something that's, that's a long-term investment, right? So I'm, Absolutely. you know, my boys will be the ones that reap the rewards of, of that kind of work, you know, that we do, but it's just, that's the kind of thinking that you have to have. Um, yeah, I've, I've been fortunate to be, you know, have a great career in bass fishing, but, you know, I'm also very aware and very cognizant of trying to make sure that that I'm a, uh, a voice and a spokesperson for hunters and fishermen's rights for the future, you know, and I, and truly the best fishing that we've ever had is now. I mean, and, and that's, uh, you know, not, no small statement to make and, and hunting wise. It's not the case. There's a lot of great hunting, but the biggest problem with hunting is access. You know, I mean, it takes, you have to have a lease or you've got to own property. And and so the future of hunting has a lot of challenges based, you know, on it. So that's why I take it very seriously to, to introduce new people to it, to hunting and, and to shooting and all, and really everything in in the outdoors. And I I put a lot of emphasis on, uh, you know, doing simple projects and things that are, you know, try to make things affordable for people as well. You know, you shouldn't have to just, you know, have to spend a lot of money to have a chance to go hunt, you know, a deer or to be able to shoot a duck or to catch a bass. And, you know, for the future of that is really important. And I know, again, like Toxie has that same mentality. Johnny Morris is a, is a great friend of mine and, um, you know, unbelievable conservationist. You know, most people have no idea what he has done um, for all hunters and fishermen, you know, I mean, how much money he's donated, how many projects, what he does behind the scenes uh, in Washington, you know, to to fight for our rights and for all of our rights for t- 
to use public land, period. You know, whether you, whether you just want to hike and bird watch or hunt or fish or do whatever. So, um, and I think once you've been around and experienced some things and you get a little older, like I am, that's when you, when you learn to appreciate these things a little more. And when that becomes a priority, it's not about going out and making sure you're the first to kill your limit. It's, it's, it's about the overall experience and, and making sure that, uh, that your your friends and your family that are with you are really enjoying themselves and having a good time and understand, um, you know, how special it is to be able to even get to 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 do this. Man, yeah, you're you're. It's interesting you say that because I I think that the, a lot of folks that look at people in the industry and they don't see that side. They don't see the. You know, the Johnny Morris is doing advocacy work, you know, where it's like, well, yeah, great. He's the owner of Bass Pro. You know, what is what is you know, good for him? And it's like, no, 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 no. That there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that. And it's to hear you say to hear you say that makes me feel good. That's 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 awesome. The story that you had about the gift, the Christmas present with Toxie, <laughs> that's I mean, that's just cool that to send yeah. you trees, you know, to have that land ethic is, is so, so, so important. You know, we face a lot of what we do out here is public land based. There's a lot of public land in the West and a lot of it has birds on it. A lot of it gets utilized by, by birds. And so a lot of what we do is based on public land. And having that ability to take somebody out to have access both to public land and to private is huge because how are we going to perpetuate that into the future if we're not taking other people out, if we're not doing working on recruitment? Yep. It's just such a big piece, big pie. You know, there's the conservation side of it. There's the, there's the land ethic side of it. There's the giving back side of it. There's the recruitment side of it. Yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting that you that you compared the hunting and the fishing because um this last year I noticed some major stresses on our fisheries out here yeah. because it's especially well, you know, the, there there's no doubt that the uh pandemic it made people realize um how much they took for granted and that life's busy yeah. and you yeah. need to get out and enjoy it. And more people have been fishing and there's a big boost in, you know, licensed sales show, tell the story, both right. hunting and fishing had a big boost. Um, it's put a lot more pressure on a lot of waters everywhere and obviously on, on public lands. But the, the reality of it is, is for sure the North American conservation model is, it's the greatest in the world. There's, there's no, doubt about that Preach but it. <laughs> we have to we have to um you know we we have to somewhat police ourselves a little bit yeah. on and some of those things but you know if kids don't even have the opportunity you know if they're just stuck in their cell phone or what playing video games and and that that's a fear of mine i mean so many people just live in big cities and there's just there is you know access is going to be the biggest problem in the future for all of us and you know last year when that pandemic hit it's it's very interesting i don't want to get into the whole long story but yeah again i've known johnny morris for you know 30 plus 30 some years now 
and we were talking, plan, trying to plan a fishing trip. And I told them that they were about to shut that that they were shutting down fishing in Illinois, and there was a few states that were about to shut down. And he's like, "Are you really?" And I'm like, "Yeah, this is real. Um, you know, it's happening." And I mean, within 24 hours, he had contacted everybody, you know, a, a lot of their conservation team and organization, and the Secretary of the Interior, and Congress was going to make a decision two days later, to close all federal public lands and waterways, all the Corps of Engineer lakes, all the ramps, all that, were going to be closed. And wow. he brought, you know, him, his team, you know, brought it up to everybody and say, hey, listen, more than ever, people need to get outdoors right now. People need that, you know, you, you have to, you can't lock them in their house and, you know, not allow people to, to it, it was real. It was about to happen, and um, wow! He, I didn't realize it was that close. I was, mean, I knew I knew there was talk, but I didn't realize it was that tight. Yep, and but he just—that's the kind of weight he carries and the connections that he has, um, you know, all over, and still do. I mean, they—they are, you know, their conservation team has always got a whole group of projects on their list, and it's not just. Uh, things that are close to home. I mean, it's right, it's right. it's all over. It's you know, it's not just the U.S. It's Canada. It's you know, I mean, they're they got you know the Everglades is a is an issue, but but out west, like you said, public land access that's a you know a big battle. Um, you know, yeah. private companies and and private land, you know people are trying to tie more and more of it up, and it's you know, good luck trying to to find a place in you know the east coast or something like that where you can go to a public land and actually see an animal you know to, to be no, able to hunt absolutely absolutely so there's still you know some great public land hunting um but you know it's something that uh you know we need to continue to keep working you know on and, and that's why you know a lot of these conservation organizations are so good um you know ducks unlimited you know every year how much uh, you know, that land they keep from being developed, you know, that are so important to it's millions of acres. Now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's you know, they, I, I, it, it took me a long time. I mean, we all know conservation is important and we all know that these, you know, uh, pheasants forever and ducks unlimited and, you know, Rocky mountain elk foundation and, you know, all, all these different groups do, do good work. But when you, you know, experience it a little more and I've gotten be, be involved in some of some of these other uh, projects and and been around some of the people that that run them and just get educated about it it's you know it's real and I appreciate the that so many people have the passion self selflessly not for their own you know for their own interests or for their right. own but knowing that it's going to benefit the next generation it's almost always these people that have you know uh, that are getting pretty long in the tooth that are that are really doing a lot of things and then and people that are in position to it's that are so generous with their um, with their time and then also their resources to to help a lot of these organizations get their message out and to, to work on a lot of these projects no hundred percent hundred percent it's it's interesting we you talk about being a little long in the tooth and I think that's if you look at how people's lives kind of ebb and flow I've known I've seen it a hundred times what you're just talking about guys get to a certain age and that word conservation kind of takes on a whole new meaning for them. 
Yep. And they they get they go, you know, they jump in with both feet and they're die and they dive right into it. And you see that the younger guys are, you know, struggling to raise families or make a career go or whatever, may not have the time. So it's pretty interesting. We just it's funny that you say that about projects and about passion. I just got back on Monday or no, Tuesday, Tuesday evening, I just got back from filming uh, a sage grouse project with the TRCP, the Teddy Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. And it's, we're going to talk about, it's more than just the birds. It's a possible ESA listing and it's public access and it's working with private interests, conservation piece. And the more I've, the more I dove into it, the more it was like, there are so many moving parts to this and everybody's got to be on the same page to pull this, to make this work, or we're going to lose access to one of the ultimate icons of the West, this sage grouse and ultimately sage grouse habitat, which a lot, a lot of antlers, like 300 and some species that depend on that habitat, that ecosystem to survive. That's a, that's a lot of that's a lot of interest. That's private landowners. That's NGOs helping out. That is guys like Johnny Morris ringing, you know, raising yeah. the flag. There, yeah. those those stories have to be told. You know, it's uh, you're you're spot on there, and it's really interesting. So a, a lot of this really became on my forefront when I started. So Johnny's Johnny's Wonders of Wildlife Museum. Yep. which is unbelievable. If, if you're ever, anybody, I would tell them, if you're in that region, if you're near Springfield, Missouri, ever, take the time to go through the museum and the aquarium because he, he's so smart in the way that he designed that. I mean, it tells the conservation, the North American conservation model and the whole story. I mean, when you walk in and walk up the, or go up that escalator with that herd of buffalo coming at you and, and that the whole story of the plight of the American buffalo, um, it just, you know, it's a slap in the face and it's a, it's a wake up call, you know, that, Hey, this, this is not, uh, having wildlife, you know, and hunting and, you know, good act, you know, access. It's not a, it's a privilege in that, you know, it's a very important and everybody has to work together um, to, to make sure that, you know, we're managing and taking care of it the best we can. And it, it's so well done. Um, and it's, you know, there's so much you can learn. Every time I go through that museum and, you know, I was there for the grand opening and it's, it's just mind boggling. But every time I go through there, you know, I, I learn more and more. And it just, it, that message always goes right back to the, to the top of the list, you know, how important conservation is. Oh, it's yeah. Without without that, we don't have like you said, we don't have the great fishing that we have today. We don't have the the hunting opportunities that we have. You know, we're looking at we have free ranging bison out here in areas of the West, and you talk about that bison display, and it's like that wouldn't have happened. You know, I just I picked up an old bison horn off the ground. Uh, on our sage grouse hunt the thing's probably 150 years old yeah. you know and it's just laying out there in a sagebrush and it's like that's a that's a pretty stark reminder of a past that you know where we almost we we for all intents and purposes lost a very 
very dynamic animal from the landscape. Yeah, and we, I, I think the close. I think what he did, you know, you talk about the closer that proposed closure. I didn't know it was that close. I didn't know it was that tight. You know, you'd heard about states talking about closing things. I didn't. I hadn't heard about the federal government talking about closing things. But to have somebody like that go hold up, pump the brakes, and use his influence and use his connections. Yeah, just just to get him to think so, about it. They were about to make a knee jerk so reaction. Cool. Right, and, and it just you know, um, you know, who who know? I mean, they shut down our governor last year. Mm-hmm. Shut down our lakes. If you lived on a lake, had a boat sitting at your dock, you were not allowed to take it on the water. And so Johnny, myself, um, you know, uh, our 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 conservation group here in Michigan. We all, I mean, he got, he, he did a video with me and, and I mean, we, we got that, we got that shut down in, you know, did and you turned around M- in less than M-U-C-C a week. on that? So. Did you work, work with MUCC on that? Yeah. 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 That's yeah MUCC is the, uh, I think they're the largest state, um, you know, conservation organization out of all the 50 states i think the mucc is is one of the largest and I it's just right. it's just members like yeah, i'm a life member man <laughs> it's just right. like you know you got to support groups like that because honestly i'm busy fishing and i like to i want to go out hunting they're just a great watchdog to let their uh constituents and and to to, to let the the public know What's going on? To be aware that, right. hey, man, this is about to happen, or they're about to look at these new deer regulations or waterfowl season or whatever it is, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, you know, you, you got to have, you know, people like that. That's why it's important to support organizations like that. So, well, and I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's difficult to keep your finger on the pulse of everything that's going on. Yeah. You know, even with a 24 hour news cycle and social media and all this. At some point, you still got to live a life. You know, you still yeah. got to go to work. You still got to raise a family. You still got to do these things, and that's where, yeah, have, being a member of an organization like that, or a member of Ducks Unlimited, or a member of Delta Waterfowl. I mean, you name it. The they're going to keep you up to date. They're going to keep you up to speed if you're paying attention, and they're going to give you opportunities to give back, but with more than just money. Yeah, they're you know, they're going to give you opportunities to get in the field and get your hands dirty with projects too. Yeah, no, it's uh, like you say when when you're just coming up and you're early in your hunting career, it's it's all about you know the hunt and, and trying to get your limit and um, exp- experience and all that. And as once you uh, get a little more more of a seasoned veteran, that's where a lot of these other things really come into perspective. And that's kind of where I'm at. You know, in my life, you know, I've been, like I say, I've been real fortunate to uh, make a living at my passion, right? And get to experience a lot of other uh, great opportunities in the outdoors along the way and meet um, some amazing individuals, you know? I mean, that's the thing that I love about outdoors people is just, uh, I mean, they're just, they're really special. (laughs) I mean, just... It doesn't, you know what I'm talking about. You've got to meet a lot of them and uh, they're very, very different, you know, than people in business or 
other walks of life that that you meet uh, and it's that passion uh, and and true caring that makes it you know makes it really special so oh you're you're right kevin i and i think i think back on if some of the folks including yourself that have said yes to being on a podcast from podunk wyoming with somebody they don't have a clue who they are to just say yeah i'll sit i'll take an hour out of my day and sit down and talk about hunting ducks or hunting you know doing this that that would be a tough sell in in any other walk of life but to get somebody on to talk about a passion something there and something they love love hunting ducks they love hunting they love land land management and conservation talk there you start you start finding common ground real fast yep you know i just think it's cool i, I really do but well i we're sitting right about an hour and i i think i'd love to just keep talking but i know you got stuff to do and and i and i've got to get back to uh the day job if if you will <laughs> and at this magazine these magazines up but uh i really appreciate your time i thank you for coming on and this has been uh this has been a really cool experience for me and something that i was looking forward to all summer so yeah look me hey if you if you get back to well you're not coming back to michigan because your brother's in iowa so you're probably going to go there but if, if you get back this way you look me up you never know especially during you, the season well we that's always got an open it. stand or an open spot in the blind i appreciate the offer and the same goes for you out here if you get out here sometime and that time of year you got my number give me a holler we've always got the same thing going on so maybe we can meet up and hunt with jake down in uh down there on the north platte sometime that might be fun too oh that's that that's something i definitely got to get to so yeah you need to do it it's it's one of those things that we have some we have some similar situational hunting here and it's coming from michigan growing up there and doing everything and then coming out here and experiencing that it's like yeah that's that's special i mean there's there's nothing quite nothing quite like it and he's yeah. got it dialed down there he just has it absolutely dialed so. they they do an amazing job and um you know they do it right too you know where they're not over pressure and anything well the key is is i think they've got over 20 miles of the of the north platte river tied up you know mm -hmm. i mean mm -hmm. uh, and so that allows them to never hunt the same spot two days in a row or two weeks right. in a row for that matter. Right. And it's key because out here, our habitat is so fragmented. You know, you got those river corridors and there's ag on both sides, but it's not very, not very broad. It's not very broad. And you're looking at just a mile or two on either side usually. Yeah. So to have a long stretch of river like that sewn up, that's how you get your birds. But yeah. well, cool. Well, thank you, sir. And if I get back that way, I'll holler at you. And it's, uh, I still have a bunch of family up there in Stanton, so not that far away from where you're at. Good deal. But so I got somebody knocking at the door, you. so sounds I'll good, I'll let man. you go. Thank you, Kevin. See ya. Take care. Yeah.